Welcome to episode 80 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, my name is John Payne. I'm here uh, with my good friends, uh, Dr. Gabriel uh, Williams, and our newest host for our podcast, uh, our Director of Discipleship, uh, newly hired, uh, Mr. Michael Bauer. It's good to have you guys here. Thanks. Good to be here. Good being here. We are here at uh, 104 Broad, on the corner of Broad and King in downtown Charleston at the Christ Church offices. And uh, we are excited today as we uh, launch into a few more episodes uh, for the podcast. We hope our listeners haven't been too uh, frustrated with us as we've (laughs) been kind of hit and miss over the last few months. Uh, Things have been very busy here. If you know uh, anything going on at Christ Church, you know there's been a lot of transition, a lot of busyness, um, and we're so thankful uh, for what the Lord has been doing, but uh, haven't really kept up with the podcast. We have all intentions of of cranking this thing up um, uh, here in the next uh, f- a few weeks. Uh, but we do want to talk uh, this morning with uh, our new Director of Discipleship, Michael Bauer. Uh, he has recently graduated with his Master's of Divinity from uh, RTS Charlotte, that's Reformed Theological Seminary in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, he has moved here uh, just a couple of weeks ago with his uh, wife of five years, uh, almost five years, uh, Sarah Bauer. And uh, they and she is pregnant with their first child, and so lots going on uh, for you. You're trying to cram in all the stressors into one thing: a, a graduation, a move, uh, a new baby, uh, new, new job. job. Right. It's all it's all happening. Uh, so uh, yeah, so why don't why don't we begin, uh, Michael? By uh, you know, we want our listeners to get to know you a little mm-hmm. bit. Uh, you're obviously filling big shoes uh, with Ross having left, uh, but we are so excited about um, uh, the Lord bringing you here. And so tell us a little bit about your background, where you're from, uh, maybe about your where you went to college and those kinds of things. Okay. Yeah, uh, I was born in, in Pennsylvania, um, in Chambersburg, Pennsylvania. It's the southern, uh, uh, southern border of Pennsylvania, and um, then moved to New Jersey, I think when I was nine. Uh, my dad is an accountant, a CPA, and my mom, uh, for a long time, taught uh, taught second grade at a Christian school. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a, a stay-at-home mom for a while, and then as we started to get into uh, to middle school and high school, um, my brother, sister, and I, um, she started teaching uh, full-time and just recently stopped to take care of my brother's baby. Wow. Um, so she just recently retired. So were you a student in that second grade class? I was not. No? no. Okay. Um, we didn't go to the Christian school. Uh, we were public schooled. Um, okay. And uh, no, I was in eighth or ninth grade, I think, when she started that. Oh, okay. maybe, maybe maybe a little younger, but okay. definitely out of second grade by that time. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, both my parents grew up in in Christian homes, and I think their parents grew up in Christian homes as well. So there's a long lineage of of Christian um, uh, Christian background, and uh, so I was blessed by um, by that. Uh, just just the fact of, of growing up in a Christian home. Mm. Any time the, the church doors were open, we were we were there. Um, we you, had, were, you had a drug problem. That's what yeah, we, yeah. You, know, you got <laughs> drugged to the church exactly. every time the doors were open. Exactly, <laughs> drugged to the church. Yep. <laughs> um, so uh, we we attended a uh, and my parents still attend an, an evangelical free church in, mm. the, in the evangelical free church yeah. of of America, mm. um, and that was a a good uh, godly Bible believing church. Um, the the pastors were not reformed, um, but they knew their Bibles well um, mm. uh, well enough anyway, and uh, they were 
uh, very influential in my life. Um, mm. And it was when I was 16, I felt a call to ministry, to full-time ministry. Oh. Um, wow, from, 16. From yeah. So, you know, perhaps we have uh, a few teenage listeners uh, right. to our to our podcast. Tell our listeners about <laughs> that, how that happens as a 16-year-old. Unusual. <laughs> I, I would think so. Um, and I'm not sure exactly uh, how it happened, um, except to say that it was a work of, of the Spirit. Sure. Um, and, and just felt a deep longing for... Um, for the people of God, for uh, ministering to them, um, and and of, uh, I think at that point it was just a uh, this is really great stuff, um, and I would love to do this uh, um, full time. And then as so, it's possible for a teenager to be serious about God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. let's just it, it is possible. Right? <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, we were reading in communion with God mm, yeah. uh, uh, the other day with the guys and uh, discussing how Owen speaks directly to the young people right. mm, about right. what it is that they are valuing and. Mm. Um, so I think that we put the bar, the standard, very low for our youth mm-hmm. if we think that there's no way that they're going to be right. really committed and devoted that's to right. the Lord in right. those, those, those teenage years. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, right. So that's encouraging to hear yeah. the Lord's work in your life as a teenager. Yeah, yes. Um, and and that, uh, that, that sense of call um, really just developed as I, as I went through high school and um, I pursued that call to uh, to a Bible college in in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. I went to Lancaster Bible College, um, uh, and 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 hoping to study pastoral ministry to to learn my Bible better um, and mm-hmm. to have a, a a better solid foundation. So going into pastoral ministry, I would be better equipped to to do the work. Um, but it was it was while I was there that I really started to study my Bible a lot more. Um, it was a great a great time of, of learning from um, professors uh, who knew a whole lot um, mm. and and who were uh, godly men and, and uh, able to teach us well um, the mm. Bible. And uh, it was while I was there that I um, started to read outside of my background mm. um, and tradition as well and, and started to read a lot of Reformed uh, folks. Um, and... It, I, I started to understand something of the doctrines of grace, of um, the fact that it's not our, uh, it, it's not our own exertion uh, that, that brings us to salvation, but it's the work of God, mm-hmm. uh, solely the work of God. Um, any any titles that had an impact on you in those early those days? Um, you know, it's it's hard to to recall exactly. There were so many different things, mm-hmm. um, and a lot was conversation with with professors mm-hmm. and, and fellow students as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say reading uh, uh, Holiness of God, um, Sproul, is, is just a classic for understanding uh, who God is. And really, it was that it was that understanding that led to more more of a, 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 a firmer grasp on the doctrines of grace. Is when we first when we see who God is in His splendor and His holiness, um, then we understand a, a lot better. I think our own sin and unworthiness, and the mm-hmm. fact that there's nothing in us that is. Uh, that is good, that is uh, naturally drawn to God, uh, mm. essentially, and, and that He draws us to Himself. Mm. And So R.C. Sproul, Holiness mm. of God, Sproul, I think a yes. com- companion to that would be His Chosen by God, right. chosen mm. by which God a lot of well. people have, mm. have read, and it was sort of a gateway into yes. the Reformed faith. Yeah. Mm. Um, and so it was, it was during that time that I was reading these things, studying my Bible more, seeing the, the Scriptures just open up mm. um, in, into... Uh, just uh, just a more clarity and, and able to see that, uh, and then it was in um, 
while I was in college, a group of friends um, and I went to a, a Ligonier conference, a Ligonier yeah. National Conference. We drove down from Pennsylvania to Orlando um, and spent the week down there. Um, and that, I, I was already firmly convinced of, of um, the Calvinism in terms of uh, how people understand it, uh, soteriology, right? The, yeah. the Calvinistic soteriology. I was firmly there. Um, it was everything else that comes along with that, the ecclesiology, the, the um, views of, of covenant theology and baptism that weren't quite there yet. I just didn't have a full understanding of that, um, but then went to the uh, Ligonier Conference. Um, and that, I, I think, is just far more formative in my, in my uh, direction than I even, than I certainly realized at the time. Mm. Um, and now reflecting back on it, it's, it's far more formative, uh, it was far more formative for me. Um, but it was there that we were singing hymns. Uh, we were singing um, wonderful classic hymns of the faith, and um, I had been going to a, a um, broadly evangelical church um, where we, there was contemporary music. I was involved in that. I was playing music and things, and um, <clears throat> was listening to these hymns and the wonderful sermons that were preached. And I, I just thought to myself, why, why isn't church like this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, so I left that conference, and the, the next Sunday was at a PCA church, uh, and, and haven't looked back. Wow. Um, so so that, was, that was sort of my journey from the uh, Evangelical Free Church to the, to the PCA. Mm. Okay. Um, so you've talked about going to Lancaster Bible College, mm-hmm. and then you eventually went to RTS Charlotte. Did. So kind of like the next couple of years, or took some time off in between? Yeah, so I, I um, knew that... Uh, into, into the PCA, I knew that, that uh, I wanted to do, that's the church I wanted to be a part of. I wanted okay. to be a part of a Presbyterian confessional church. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I realized uh, Bible college degree is not going to be sufficient for that. Uh, so I knew uh, when I graduated that I needed to continue my education. I just also knew I didn't want to do it right away. <laughs> okay. um, so uh, so I, I, I uh, took a year um, and worked at, at a job. I worked at the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Oh. Um, I, I was there for for a year, and then my wife graduated, and we got married uh, that summer um, after she graduated um, in, in 2014, and then um, we lived in Lancaster together for a year, and I stayed at the Alliance. So I was there for a total of two years, and then... Um, felt the Lord leading me in, in a couple of different um, ways, just saying, okay, now's the time uh, for seminary. And so I applied to, to RTS Charlotte, was the only school I applied to, and I um, got in, and uh, we moved down to, to Charlotte, North Carolina, um, okay. about, about a year into marriage. And so seminary, I mean, you're doing a lot of training in theology, right. training in church history, philosophy. If you, now that you're kind of out of seminary, what are some concrete lessons you gained from seminary? Probably just beyond just book reading. Right. What are some concrete things you learned from your seminary training? And if I can add to that. A lot of people think that seminary is a waste of time. <laughs> you know, they, 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 you know, obviously they don't, they don't really know what they're talking about. Right. <laughs> but they'll say things like, you know, the disciples didn't go to seminary. Um... Uh, you know, Martin Lloyd Jones didn't go to seminary. Uh, you know, why, why seminary? Why, why is it necessary? Doesn't it just make dry, you know, dusty theologians who who sure. lose their first love? You know, so I I would I'd throw that in there as well. Okay. Say, how, how do you how do you respond to that? Even as you you t- right. discuss your own experience in 
uh, at RTS Charlotte. Right. Um, yeah, first of all, I would counsel a person saying that who wants to go into ministry and saying, why do I need to go to seminary? Too, uh, to to uh, gain some wisdom. <laughs> talk to pastors, talk to people who have, who have gone before you and, and don't just think that you can do all of this on your own. Um, I mean, seminary uh, is, is extremely beneficial. It, it, it was... Um, I know that it's only been a few months and so I don't have a whole lot of time I haven't had a whole lot of time to look back mm-hmm. do a real uh, retrospective but I, I know for a fact that I'm going to look back at those three, three and a half years as extremely um, foundational, formative for my ministry mm-hmm. um, to have to have time to, to study um, those things exclusively the, the church mm-hmm. history, Bible, philosophy theology, um, to study those uh, and to just dive into it with people um, who have, uh, with professors who, who are experts in their field. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you just don't have that in the local church all the time. There, yes. there might be some churches that are exceptions to that, um, but uh, the, the seminary professors have such a wealth of wisdom and, and knowledge that um, and it's concentrated wisdom mm-hmm. and knowledge mm-hmm. that's right. In, in one spot. And the so, professors at, at RTS and all of the campuses have to all, subscribe to yes. the Westminster exactly. Confession of Faith and, yeah. and catechisms. And so you don't have a situation where a professor can just go off the rails and, <laughs> and teach what he wants if he changes his views. He would be removed from that position. And so there's a, there's a real comfort as well that and cohesiveness mm-hmm. to all of the teaching, whether it's in and, and, and systematic theology or, or, or church history and the way that's being applied to practical theology, uh, it's all going to be within the same purview of Reformed confessionalism. And, and that's, that's giving you that as well as you leave. Exactly, uh, you, yes. You're not just kind of getting this, like if you go to a university and you study religion, so, right. religion <laughs> well, or yeah. sociology yeah. or whatever, you're going to get all kinds of different mm-hmm. perspectives, maybe even antithetical views, right. but that's not the case in a seminary like RTS or either the Westminsters. You're going to right. get a really solid, cohesive theological education, which is forming a foundation of what you are. You, you learn what you're going to learn the rest of your life. Right. right? right. And exactly. so that foundation is there, and now yeah. you're, you're pushed out of the nest into mm-hmm. full-time ministry to apply all the things you've learned. Yeah, the goal isn't to teach you everything. It's to, to give you the tools to be able to, to learn for the rest of, rest of your life, the rest of your ministry. And no, right, exactly what you said, John. I mean, the, the uh, professors at RTS don't have tenure. Um, every year, <laughs> yes. every year they have to re-sign a, a statement that says they still hold to the yeah. Westminster Confession yeah. of Faith. And now, why would they do that? <laughs> I mean, isn't that kind of mean? Isn't that being just suspicious? Job distrustful? Right. Why did yeah. the founders of RTS put that right. into place? Do you think? Well, if you follow, can you say America. Princeton? <laughs> yeah. If you just look at look almost around. all yeah. of the American seminaries, is a leftward drift away from yeah. professionalism, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's. Yeah. It's to the benefit of the people who are still going there and want to be similarly trained to know that I don't have a professor who signed it 35 years ago yeah. and is basically yeah. off the rails yeah. teaching mm-hmm. various other nonsense. Right. You know, when I transferred into the Palmetto Presbytery six years ago, it was such a healthy exercise to go back and to get ready for this transfer exam where these men could ask me anything they wanted uh, mm-hmm. to make sure that I still was fully committed to the things that I 
mm. took vows to right. defend and to teach when I was first ordained. Mm. I think that would be a healthy thing to do for yes. ministers in the PCA in a few years. Yeah. I th- because it would just, you know, really reinforce things and also perhaps smoke some guys out that have been having, you know, question marks or mm-hmm. that really have walked away from certain things and haven't been mm-hmm. exactly. upfront with that. Exactly. Man. Man. Yeah, uh, going back to your question, Gabe, uh, I, I think one of the um, one of the formative things that RTS instilled in my mind, and RTS Charlotte, um, specifically, it's the only one I can speak to, the only one I went to, um, is a great love for the church, Mm. um, a great focus on the church, uh, and, and love for it. And, um, every class, whether we're studying, um, Hebrew or, or church history or, um, ecclesiology and sacraments, it, it, it doesn't matter. Every class, there's a focus on, uh, on the church, uh, this is the reason that we are doing this: is to build um, solid churches to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and that that is the focus. So, all of that is um, it, it, it's just the central drive of of RTS, and uh, I, I can't recommend that school highly enough. And it's been that way for a long time, right. you know. Back when I graduated before World War II, um, <laughs> in the third graduating class, uh, they, they, this was the same commitment. Yeah. And uh, Mike Kruger is doing such a great mm-hmm. job there as, as president and uh, leading the school to, uh, to great things. Yes. And so we're so appreciative yeah. of RTS Charlotte. I'm so appreciative of, of RTS Charlotte. And, and now our, our church has, uh, you know, is going to be benefiting from a, mm-hmm. a new graduate. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're thankful. I, our, our listeners, some of them may not be familiar with the process. Uh, they may think, you know, now why, why Ross has left, he was the assistant pastor, and now Michael's come in and you're called director of discipleship. You know, why, why aren't we calling you assistant pastor? And why don't you just give our, our listeners, uh, in a nutshell, kind of the process that you're in sure. and the way our polity works to bring you to um, the place where you will one day be called mm-hmm. assistant pastor. Right, so... Uh, Presbyterianism is set up in such a way that not anyone can just walk in and, and say, I'm a pastor. Um, I am, I am, I'm your pastor. And so um, I am the, the director of discipleship because I have not yet gone through the process of ordination to become a pastor. Um, <clears throat> that process is, is a, a long one, and it begins, um, well, it begins with a call to ministry, uh, and, then, and then an affirmation of, of that call, both externally and internally. Um, but then uh, another big step in that process is going to seminary, uh, getting a Master of Divinity degree. So let's back up. You said something very important there. You talked about calling being mm-hmm. both internal and external. Right. Why don't you unpack that a little bit? Sure. Some, some that are listening to this may be thinking about ministry and what that sure. looks like. You, you don't declare yourself uh, called to the ministry, right? Right. Exactly. Right. So I said I, I felt a call to ministry when I was 16. That was an internal call where God is setting me apart and saying... This is what uh, this is what you are, are going to do, or at least that was my understanding of it at that point. Um, and uh, that's a, way, a, way, a careful way to put it. Wouldn't be it would be um, you were discerning yes. that the Lord was working in your heart and, mm-hmm. and moving you towards this calling, but right. it wasn't 
you know, apart from the next step, no. it's not a certain no. thing or assurance. Because people speak with such assurance right. Right. about what God's telling them to do, calling them to do. And I think that's mm-hmm. a, 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 a non-careful approach, right? <laughs> Absolutely. No, I didn't just take my Bible and start and walk up into the pulpit and start preaching uh, at 16, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. I, that's... Um, that that was uh, it was a long time to discern what that actually meant um, for the Lord to to be leading me in that direction. Um, But but a big part of that process is to have the call confirmed externally. Yes. Right. So I I may feel that this is what I'm supposed to do, but if everyone around me is saying, maybe you should just uh, learn how to code or learn, (laughs) uh, maybe you need to uh, go to trade school, learn how to be a plumber, Um, you know, then, uh, then that's probably not a genuine call. Uh, it's probably not a genuine internal call. Um, it needs to be confirmed and affirmed by uh, those around you who are saying, yes, we recognize in you that you do have these gifts. We do see that God has, uh, uh, is possibly calling you into this field, um, into full-time ministry. We see the qualities we, of 1 yes, Timothy 3. Exactly. Yeah, we see these, uh, these qualities in Timothy and Titus that, are, um, that, that we can say, uh, you exhibit that you you have these in your life, and um, that is essential. Um, you cannot be a, a minister. Um, cannot hope to be. No one should put you in front of people uh, if that is not the case. Yes. If you, if you don't have that external call. So you discern this internal call. You began walking with the elders of your church to receive guidance, wisdom, and affirmation. Right. Part of that process of that external call as well is seminary education, it right? Is. So you went through the it three is. years. So I did the three years. Um, part of that was was an internship as well where I had to be uh, immediately applying the things that I was learning in seminary. And so I did that at a wonderful uh, Associate Reformed Presbyterian congregation in Mooresville, mm-hmm. uh, North Carolina, Cottle Creek. And uh, that was uh, just an incredible um, ministry opportunity for, for me and for Sarah as well mm-hmm. to see firsthand um, in sort of a a, a, a low pressure situation that it wasn't full time. It wasn't, um, you know, I had these school responsibilities, but um, I was every week teaching, um, preaching quite regularly and mm-hmm. um, just able to, to show people uh, the things that I'm share with people, the things that I'm learning and that they can see uh, the way in which the Lord has gifted me. And, um, and that's a part of that uh, external call right? is that other people say, yes, this, you you did actually preach the Bible. Yes. Uh, you didn't speak heresy from the pulpit. You didn't uh, uh, do all these things that you shouldn't do. So um, that that is a very important part. Um, and then also another part of that is is uh, coming under care of the presbytery as a student of theology. Right. Um, uh, basically, where the the presbytery is saying um, you are uh, a student of, of theology. You are in the process of of learning these things of going through seminary you are um and 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 a, and a long part of, or a, a part of that is that you will eventually be ordained in the yes denomination um so you've you've graduated you have your credential now as an mdiv um and you've you've moved here uh and you've begun the process with the presbytery yes uh with the credentials committee mm-hmm. of the presbytery and uh, just very quickly tell our, our, our listeners what that process is going to look like for you. So we'll include um, five written exams um, in different areas of, of uh, sacraments, church history, and PCA history. Um, 
Bible, theology, and church government, church polity. Um, so those five areas, I'll have written exams in them, and then um, I'll have to also submit some written sermons and um, exegetical and theological papers uh, that I that I have to write um, and submit all of that to the committee, and then they review all of it and uh, sit down with me at a at a um, an interview essentially where uh, a committee interview where the, the the committee is sitting there looking over the things that I've submitted to them and then asking questions. Um, we call it an oral examination. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is more than an interview. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it is more than an interview. That's true. Um, That's an euphemism you just use. <laughs> interview. Sorry, I'll, I'll uh, speak more directly. <laughs> uh, a grueling yes. oral examination. Yes, That's right. Um, for, for for however long it, it requires, yeah. right? um, from what I understand. And then um, once, the, if, if the committee approves all of the answers that I've given um, and all of the, the work that I've submitted, then I will go to the floor of Presbytery and have another oral examination yes. um, where I will be asked any number of, of questions from anyone in the Presbytery. Just so our listeners understand, this is a comprehensive examination, both written and oral. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, as a Presbytery, can ask Michael anything we want uh, from the annals of church history, from the pages of scripture, uh, from our book of church order. And you say, you know, Pastor John, isn't that a little bit much? I mean, aren't you guys, uh, uh, isn't that a, a little too much? I mean, really? Well, uh, let's ask, um, what does a, a lawyer need to do to, to pass the bar? Uh, what does a, a physician need to do uh, to pass their medical exams? Um, is it going to be okay if they don't quite understand the lower part of the anatomy of the body, or or maybe you know just they just need to know about the left side but not about the right side? <laughs> um, we are physicians of souls. Amen. We are doing uh, the work of the ministry, and it's a high calling. And so the worker must be well equipped uh, to serve God's people and to begin a lifelong uh, work of ministry uh, in the church. And so uh, traditionally and historically, uh, Reformed Presbyterians have taken these things very seriously in terms of being prepared for the ministry. And so this is why we want to take a little time for you to understand this process, even as you get to know Michael, uh, to know uh, how to pray for him in the next few months. And uh, God willing, by November, he will be uh, ordained and set apart for gospel ministry, and uh, will be uh, our, our new assistant pastor at that point. So let's just kind of make it a, a broader uh, sort okay. of question here. And so you leave RTS mm-hmm. uh, Charlotte, and you you know that you're coming into a church that heavily emphasizes the ordinary means of grace. Mm-hmm. And so the question becomes, how do you yourself discern your current position in light of the fact that we are known as a church that emphasizes those ordinary means of grace. How do you think your uh, philosophy of ministry fits with that mm. emphasis? Yeah, that's a that is a broad question. Um, <laughs> I'll take my best uh, stab at it. Um, my I, I see as my main goal uh, is, is first of all to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ uh, in, in all that I do and all that I say. Um, and then secondarily to that is is uh, essentially whatever John asked me to do. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Um, and so that that'll, that'll take a, a number of different 
it'll, it'll go down a number of different avenues and, and take a number of different shapes. I, um, I am, I am to support the ministry of the church and, and, uh, I am under the authority of the session and I am happy to be under the authority of the session. And so, um, <clears throat> I, I will, uh, support, uh, whatever ministries John, uh, uh, puts, puts me in and, and, and has me, uh, handle or, or control has uh, gives me control over um, I know that until I'm ordained I won't uh, go anywhere near the, the uh, sacraments or I won't, won't do any of that um, and, and, but but really I think I, I just see my main my main focus is, is proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ and and um, ministering to the people of, of Christ Church um, and uh, of course when Tuesday nights crank up again yes. with the MUSC right. so professionals, you'll be mm-hmm. doing that. So there's uh, that Bible study, the MUSC Bible study, that I'm really excited about um, getting to know uh, all the folks involved in that and, and ministering to them. We had 26 we, we, people there uh, yes. last week at our, yes. at our home for that study, and Michael mm-hmm. led a wonderful devotional um, yeah. from, from the Gospels, and mm-hmm. uh, we had dinner, and that'll be a weekly thing starting right. in September. So if there are any listening to this, who would like to be a part of a Bible study, and you're in your your your, your 20s, um, mm-hmm. early 30s, and you're interested in being a part of that, we would love for you to for you to join us. Yeah, yeah, please do. And then there are other um, small groups that just recently started, and so I'll be leading one of those. And um, the choirs class, we'll be teaching that. Yes, the, the yep, new members in the choirs class, and uh, yeah, there's lots of different yep. ministry opportunities like that that I'll be. You'll be assisting and and leading public worship, mm-hmm. uh, which. Uh, did such a great job uh, last week, and we're looking forward to that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's and it's just the the the, the responsibilities will only grow as you right. as you gain that that uh, ordination. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Once the presbytery, um, if the presbytery affirms uh, my my calling um, and affirms my position, yeah. then yeah, that'll change. And some might wonder, you know, why is Michael not now regularly preaching? Mm-hmm. And uh, that's precisely because in our presbytery, we uh, don't allow for unordained men to to preach regularly. Mm-hmm. You say, well, why is that, Pastor John? Well, it should be kind of obvious <laughs> because we don't want anybody just stepping into the pulpit who, mm-hmm. who are not right. examined by the presbytery to make sure that they're theology and views are in accordance with the Westminster standards. Yeah. Uh, so this should be a comfort to those who are in PCA churches uh, that we take these things uh, seriously. Yeah, the session's job is to guard the pulpit. Uh, that's one of the one of the responsibilities is to make sure that the teaching coming from the preaching coming from the pulpit is biblical. Amen. Amen. And that's important. So so you have uh, uh, t- tell us about Sarah, yes. your your wife, and uh, and about some exciting news. Yeah, yeah. So Sarah and I have um, been married for almost five years. It'll be five years in September. Uh, we met at at Lancaster Bible College, and um, she was. Uh, you were making eyes at each other in Greek class. Or yeah, something? that's right. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so so we we've. we've uh, Yes, we we have some exciting news. Yes, we have a a son, a uh, son coming uh, in September. Uh, we will we will meet our son. Um, what's the due date? September twenty third is the due date wow. right now. Wow. Uh, trimester. Yes, exactly. So we moved in July. I moved to, to Charleston in July in in uh, when she was six months pregnant. 
Um, so like you said, yeah, we're just ripping off the band-aid, getting all these things <laughs> done at one time. Yeah. At least it's nice and cool for your wife, the weather, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, that's great. Yeah, yeah. She loves that. Yeah, I think uh, it was like 106 the other day. Yeah, oh, it felt like 106. Yeah, yeah. Sarah is uh, just a wonderful. I couldn't speak highly enough of her mm. um, and, and her support of me and um, her, uh, even her sense of calling to uh, to the ministry um, as she supports me in my ministry. Um, she told me, I think it was after we were dating for a long time, you know, I could. Uh, I've I've always seen myself as a as a pastor's wife, or always wanted to be a pastor's wife. Wow. Uh, I said, "Why didn't you say that earlier?" <laughs> I think so. uh, a little more straightforward at that point. Um, so she's extremely supportive and is excited about getting to know people in in Christ Church and mm. um, being able to to have people over and be uh, hospitable and. and we're just very excited about being here in Charleston. Well, Michael, we are so excited to have you and Sarah here at Christ Church, and uh, we are uh, eagerly anticipating many years of ministry uh, uh, with you serving uh, here and, uh, and preaching God's Word to us and, and, and discipling the flock and shepherding the flock of God. And, um, and we're looking forward to meeting your son yeah. as well really? in, in September. Well, we're so uh, thankful to be back uh, making a few of these uh, recordings and episodes uh, for Between the Times, and uh, we hope that you'll be looking out uh, for these coming uh, weekly, and uh, we are uh, so thankful uh, to be a part of this congregation and to, to serve our listeners in this way. I think we're up to eight listeners now. Didn't you have a cousin, <laughs> didn't you have a cousin start listening uh, yeah, uh, somewhere? Yeah, I think we're up to 11. 11? Oh, okay. Wow, we're, really, we're, we're breaking, breaking all go. kinds of records here today. So, well, well, we'll talk to you next time on Between the Times.